stoneonair.com. Well, hello there and welcome in to this next supposed for-profit podcast venture of mine. My name is Brian Stone and you can likely identify with this. You have people in your life who are your best friends. You have your really good friends and then you have your longest friends, your lifelong friends. And sometimes they can all be the same person. I've known Scott Moore since we were literally children. And while certainly not my best friend, he is one of my favorite friends. We have talked about doing a podcast for years now, chronicling his adventures literally across the world, but more specifically on Fish Tour, where he has attended over 400 shows. On this day, we were testing the podcast studio equipment at the Common House, having some technical difficulties, so I just grabbed my phone, plugged into it, and hit record. And completely organically, we created the pilot episode, if you will, of this one time on fish tour with Scott Moore, a Stone On Air production. If I could be, if I could be, Kinda, sorta, on this piece of shit app on this phone. On telling stories from Fish Tour with Scott Moore. Welcome. I hope y'all have uh, hours in your life to kill because you will never get it back. <laughs> hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I've got a lifetime of uh stories that will uh excite you and uh depress you and also make you scratch your head and wonder how this person has survived this isn't going to be like the goonies where you where they get chunk down there and they he starts from like first grade when he throws up in the class oh yeah yeah, yeah. it definitely is start I'm, from I, the beginning i'm kid. gonna start from the beginning <laughs> there's this and one then there's time, one time. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) and then everybody started puking it was everywhere it was awful so maybe not quite starting from that exact beginning okay well let's see we met in um miss stetzler's uh homeroom class should we go back that far that's pretty far back that's that's too far back Uh, Uh, not necessarily (laughs) i I don't i i wasn't i'm air quoting cool till maybe high school you were cool before I was. Oh, well, that's because I got held back and I already you had, had one year. Uh, I had advanced. a I had a year uh, experience. It was like it's like you with this podcast thing, you know. You've, you you've got you've got it on me. You had the uh the no one here gets out alive doors shirt. First book I ever read. And that's one of the only books I've ever read. Really? And I was like, god damn, I got to have that shirt. That's the coolest dude ever. Uh. <laughs> thank you because it was much. a badass shirt and then it was 1990 what i don't know four or five we're on a uh field trip i guess to, to a mall i think in nashville uh, and you had me buy i had money to buy a cd and, and you had me buy driving and crying smoke oh it's the first driving and crying record i ever owned nice i think i knew like straight to hell Right, like that was it. Oh, you bought Mystery Road. No, that's all I. I'm saying that's all I knew. Oh, that's all you knew. But I didn't know Mystery Road. I just knew straight to hell. Right. And then Smoke is probably their least well-known record. And it's recently bought that uh, Mystery Road album again when they played fantastic start to finish. Yeah. But that's just one of those. If we're gonna start way back when, 
Yeah. Like, oh, I got to get this driving car. I guess they're good. I don't know. And it was at that time, I didn't think it was good because it, well, it didn't have a radio hit on it except for turn, turn it up and turn it off. Right. My, but that's my driving and crying start. Well, life. music's always been a big influence in my life. I was raised Southern Baptist. My mother, uh, deeply devoted Christian. My father, more of a beer joint, redneck country music fan. Was uh, in the South, man. Was my other influence, and it wasn't until my best friend's dad had a record collection that because there wasn't the internet back then you couldn't just find music so we had, no, crates. had to purchase it we had crates of um, records so you know and he had everything from the beatles to the who to zeppelin anything you could think of that was cool in the 60s he had and that was the beginning, uh, my introduction into rock and roll. Well, that was what was so cool about that time frame is that these days it's like children, young people are conditioned to think old equals bad. Yeah. Old technology equals bad. You know, yeah. old things are not good. And, and that doesn't mean they all do it, but that's 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 kind of the, 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 the culture that we live in. Then talking 90s, early 90s records, badass learning all that old music was so much fun and it led to everything else i still loved new and wanted the new everything right well the the influence um was more organic uh you were influenced by the people and what they listened to and like it wasn't necessarily like what's popular on uh the top 10 or sure. you know it was more like you had to seek it out and uh a lot of influence came from books uh i didn't get into reading until after high school i know there was required reading you know but it was like uh i didn't read the diary of Anne frank until i'd already been to amsterdam and went into her house i read know? the I read the cliff notes on the diary of Anne. Well, I know, you know, I, and I think I cheated off some girl or something. Yeah, well, you know? of course. But I, I since then went back and read the diary of Anne Frank only because I had visited the place while I was sure, in yeah. Amsterdam. Oh, but, I did. It sounds fascinating now as, you know, um, middle-aged dudes that are actually interested in things yeah and uh but then i discovered that books could be more interesting than like movies um it was a movie it was in your head you know uh kerouac was one of the first people that took me around the country from my basement you know jack kerouac yeah um read on the road and then dharma bums and uh, then somebody just introduced me to uh, William Burroughs. And uh, did know. you not then or now have any kind of ADD that makes reading more difficult than it should be? Um, yeah, because I have it structured, terribly. structured reading, not reading for fun. You know, like uh, I didn't know that that was a thing, and it was like. Uh, the first book I read, I told you, it was uh, No One Gets Out of Here Alive. Yeah. And uh, it was the snow of 93 or something, I believe, where we had no power in the South for a week or two at a time. March 1993. Yeah. And uh, I remember I had this book. We had no video games, nothing you could do. And so I was like, 
you can only make so many snowmen, you know, before you're like frozen. So I went inside and I found this book and I started reading it and it was like, I was in another world and to watch this guy's life and to see how much he accomplished, especially looking back on it now, uh, to have a life written, uh, a book about you at that age, you know, it's like he accomplished a lot within his 27 years. You well, know? hell, that band accomplished a lot in about four years. Yeah. Uh, it's iconic. About, as a, they yeah. were, I think, 66 to 60. It was 70, I guess. 66 to 1970. Put out two and a half, three albums a year at that time, which yeah. is unheard of. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed uh, that escape and that adventure and that imagination that I could go anywhere and do anything or... I, um, I had, I had some, uh, good people around me that were, um, wanting to go out and see the country. Uh, a lot of them were following the Grateful Dead and they were older friends. And I remember at this point was that pre 1995. So was that still Jerry? Years? Yep. Yep. This was, uh, 94, 95. And they had done the summer tour and fall tour and came back and the VW van was all loaded down with like smashed grilled cheeses and stuff in the <laughs> corners and I helped him clean it out and his mom's was at Chris Kirky's uh house. He I helped him clean out that van. We gotta get we gotta get Gurky on the show, <laughs> that's for sure. I know. Uh a, a friend of ours that nobody will have heard of who we neither of us have seen him forever. Uh Zach Behrman used to have a great impression of you uh about I can't, you know, I can't do it, but of, of going and selling grilled cheese sandwiches on fish tour. Oh yeah. It's like, I'm going to sell grilled cheese sandwiches on fish tour guys or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was like, I was going to make a million dollars <laughs> following this fan selling dollar grilled cheeses. And, uh, yeah, I just, for some reason that popped into my head. Like it, it, uh, he, he sounded almost like you a little lisp, a little bit more than, you know, yeah. it was funny. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember, um, dreaming of like that was what i was gonna do next year it's like go follow the grateful dead well that's 95 jerry dies and kind of messes uh, that whole plan up yeah and i'm like well what am i gonna do this summer you know I, up until then i'd just been like caddying you know like that was my go-to job in the summertime i caddied at all the golf courses around here uh, the private club downtown. I don't know if I should mention it. Chattanooga Golf and Country Club. Yeah, who cares? Uh, then the honors and learn to you play make some golf. Money. You can make some money doing that. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, at, at that age, it was good money, you know. You, you do two loops, two bags, you know, making 40 bucks, uh, you know, a loop plus tip. So I'd walk out of there over 100 bucks, you know, maybe wash a car or so and, that at that age, you know, 15, 16 years old, I'm making a hundred dollars a day. I was doing pretty good, you know, Damn good saved, money. Up, saved up a little money. And I was so excited about going off on this Grateful Dead tour. Well, then Jerry does, like I said, and I, I said, uh, well, uh, I had this friend, Jimmy and, uh, Jimmy's like, well, he was all into fish. And I was like, not, I was more of a Grateful Dead fan. I didn't really know much about this fish. I was kind of like what people thought of as, and I, no offense here, is what 
it was my string cheese or something. No, you it know, makes sense. As opposed to fish, you makes know, sense. I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of a yeah, cheap copy. I like copy. them too. But at the time, it was kind of like a knockoff. Sure. I, I, I thought of it a generic tour, and I didn't think it was going to be as exciting as it was. And it was more exciting than, I mean, still to this day, if I have a choice to go see, like, and the, no, people are going to, you know, I might have backlash against this, but like, I'd rather go see fish than Dead and Co. You know, Dead oh, I know you told me it's, that. Uh, it, it, it's just they're so progressive and so still energetic and alive and still putting out music. You know that it it's it's got a, a, a pulse to it. It's alive and it's a living organism that travels around the country summer and fall. And I was hooked. I I planned to see. Um, uh, there was Park City, Utah, uh, Alpine Valley, and Deer Creek, and then Atlanta. And I was going to jump off after the Atlanta show. I had only those tickets. And what are we talking about? 97? 96. 96. Yeah. And I, I, I drove us all. It was like me, Jimmy Gallagher, uh, Danny Pye, rest in peace, and uh, this guy, Turtle. Uh, which I don't know what Turtle does now. <laughs> I, I think he lives in Asheville or something. Probably for, sounds yeah, about right. Yeah. And uh, we did that first leg of the tour, and I was supposed to come home after that Atlanta show, but it seemed like we were just building momentum. And when I got the option to either go two hours back to my house or continue this tour, it was like, there was no choice. It was like I'm going to finish this tour, <laughs> so. Well, I mean, the 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 bug bit you, right? Oh I yeah, mean. I was hooked. Um, I ended up uh, doing the whole tour. I mean, didn't have the money to do it, but in that environment, there is a community where you can make money if you're just um, if you're dedicated to it. You can. You, you you can surprise yourself on what you can accomplish. I mean, we weren't living it up. We were staying in KOAs and, you know. Uh, and you were 17 years old, so who the hell cares, yeah, right? I mean, you sleeping on park benches and rest areas until the police would wake you sounds up. Sounds good. Be like, hey, you need to get the rest of you guys up out of here. My guys will be back soon. And I'd wake all my friends up and be like, okay, we can't stay here anymore. We got to keep rolling. And. So that's how it went, and I I evolved in that scene where I was like, I'd find better ways to make money. I got a cooler and a skateboard, and I started selling beer off my out of my cooler, and I'd push it around sitting on my skateboard, you know, like selling cold beer, and got a Coleman stove, and got a girl that would like make grilled cheeses for me, and we split the profit. I bought all the product, and you know, I, I won't say that I never. Um, dabbled into anything else i don't want to incriminate myself but there are things we'll, that you we'll get can, there you can make money on if, if you set your mind to it yeah. and i was young and didn't care and could really see no wrong in what i was doing i was more or less facilitating the party i i was fascinated with those things and i was not quite there yet in in the, we'll just call it the jam band community right yeah. and like I remember just too too quick of just running into you. I mean, we've known each other basically our whole lives, but we didn't spend a lot of time together. Right. But I would run into you every now and again. Yeah. And both of these you probably don't remember. 
uh, unless we unless we've talked about it since, which maybe we have. In '98, yeah. I was living in Murfreesboro, and Fish came to the Murphy Center. Okay, and I ran into you just out of nowhere in the lot somewhere. Yeah. I didn't I didn't go to the show because at that point, Fish, I still didn't know what it was. Right, I was in a college town, and there was a traveling show. You yeah. know, you want to go to the circus? I want to go to the circus exactly. Yeah. And I ran into you, and I was like, "Of course I did." Ran into this guy, of course I did. <laughs> And uh, I did some things I won't mention right now either, but didn't go to the show, but had a, 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 a mind-spinning, uh, expanding time. And then in 2002, I jumped the fence for Bonnaroo. And I've jumped the fence there, too. I've been to every Bonnaroo's my thing. I've been to every <laughs> single one of them. I don't care that it's not. I, what I've it missed used. about three I don't, uh, I don't care that out of the country. Yeah, I don't care that it's not what it used to be. It's, it's just still what I do. But I, did, I jumped the fence the first one, and I ran into you within about 20 minutes of wandering around not knowing where I'm at. Yeah. No idea. And you were pretty spun. And uh-huh. you gave me this, this uh, tag, like parking for your, like you put on your window for your yeah. car. That's a parking spot handicap. Handicap, but it was but it was spark, fake. sparking pot. Sparking pot, not parking <laughs> spot. But it looked exactly <laughs> like a parking spot. And oh, so, I but, know. And you, you had. I, had I, I don't a know bunch if you were selling them. them. I had a bunch of them. You gave yeah. me one. I still have it, by the way. Yeah, I still have it. And I was like, "Do oh, you?" Of course, I ran into Scott Moore at the first bar <laughs> when I jumped the fence on a Saturday night to see White's Red Band. So I just had to throw those two in since they're roughly that era. That's great because I use that parking that sparking pot um, <laughs> for. I promise you, I got it. Years. I got to look for it, but I I have it. I used it until somebody stole it. Well, I, I never think, used right? it. I just kept oh it. my gosh, why not? It looked exactly the same because it was uh, the guilt. It was ex- my excuse guilt. me for anybody out there that I may have stolen your spot and you may have needed it. I do apologize. I was young and dumb and. Uh, I mean, I meant no harm. Well, I was just, uh, th- this is this is a jumping off point here. We're just doing this for a few minutes to get okay. this tested. And uh, so far, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. And uh, fish stories is where you're going to be spending a lot of your time. You won't hear a lot of me. This is Scott's deal. But it's not going to be just that. No. But I, uh, where, 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 just, just ideas of, of where things might come from. Just, just not, not necessarily delving into them yet, but like, where, what are some other adventures we might hear from you about? Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. So, I've followed fish for a better part of, uh, well, over 20 years now. So this was 96 I started. And I still, I did fish tour last year. I must start to finish. I saw like 14 shows last year. Um, but there are hiatuses they would take. And, you know, I also, I, I just got addicted to that that jam band, that live music festival scene. And so it's... I did too in just a totally different orbit. But so I I did too, but it was not nearly the same. We're, we're literally going to be talking some globe trotting. No, yeah. And not, not just the Asheville show or the Austin show. Right. Or the, you know, the Chicago at Soldier Field. We're talking about... 
all over the world. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, when fish went on hiatus, I had, um, I was, uh, in the middle of helping Colorado progress with their laws. We'll say. Yes. And Which is, uh, it's, it's a long time coming, but it's working out for you. Yeah. And, uh, cause now I'm still doing the same thing I'm doing. I'm just doing it from a legal aspect with CBD. But uh, beginning, I would use um, I would use cultivation as a way to make money in the summertime, and then I would take off for I'd do that three months harvest, you know, at a young age. And at that point, you know, it's five thousand dollars a pound. I'm pulling down ten pounds. I make fifty thousand dollars, and you couldn't tell me shit. I would, you know. <laughs> I was, yeah. I, I would uh, leave the country uh, at any given point, a uh, drop of a hat. I would fly to Amsterdam. Um, I knew a girl there I would stay with. Marika, if you're listening, miss you, love you. Pretty name. Um, and I would go from there. That was my hub. And I would travel from different parts. I would go visit England, France, stay down in Bordeaux for a while, Bourg-en-Bresse, uh, hated paris no offense parisians well at that point there's no uh way to um communicate with even the information desk didn't have english speaking people so like uh, there was better service in thailand because i mean they if you want money in thailand you have to speak english because they look at you as a walking atm yeah yeah and they call you Farang, which I'm not sure exactly the definition, but somebody tried to explain it to me, and it was kind of like a meal ticket, you know? Okay. <laughs> so when they're calling you their Farang, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm hey, their friend. Up, buddy? I'm their friend. What's <laughs> up, amigo? Somebody else tries to talk to you, no, 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 that's my Farang. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm his friend. But as we get this thing off the ground, you uh, we'll like to bring people in. You've got plenty of people that... that I've their met stories a lot from, of we interesting just people. Local guys, Dan Pinson, uh, Roger Allen Wade, potentially. Yeah. Lots of different people. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, yeah, I've met a lot of really good uh, good people that are still in my life today. I, I don't think that I've met a person um, in all my travels where I don't keep up with them at least, you know, once a year, if not, you know, every other month or so. If I don't talk to them, they'll call me and check in. And But, um, yeah, it's been an adventure, and the adventure's still going. Uh, I meet people every year that uh, I, I met somebody a couple of years ago that's one of my best friends to this day, and we met at an Alex Gray party, you know, like randomly. And he, he uh, he's come to visit. Now I'm like Uncle Scott and his family, you know, and... Um, but yeah, I, the party just, it started in 96 and didn't stop. I, you know, I've been to Burning Man, I've been to uh, full moon parties in Thailand. I've, you know, uh, got engaged to a German girl in this island in Koh Samoy in Thailand. What did I tell you about getting married? Don't do it. <laughs> I know. You, it. I know. Uh, <laughs> I, I avoided it. Uh, ended up, uh, 
getting, I called uh, my ex from a hotel room in Bangkok and she says, I missed you in Amsterdam. Two weeks before I'm to fly to Amsterdam to propose to her, she tells me that she's been seeing some French guy. So it broke my heart. And it did, but it was the I, best day of your life. But I got a lot of money. I'm young <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, it was the best thing that could have happened for me because I had so many cool adventures after that. But she made it sound like, we were supposed to be together and why didn't I come see her? And so of course I drop everything like a sucker and I fly from, there's nothing shocking me about that. I fly, I fly from Bangkok to Abu Dhabi and to Frankfurt, Germany, and then, uh, pick up my stuff from Marika. Uh, and Marika had found out that I had left with an English girl and she wasn't too happy about that, but she didn't burn any of my stuff. She gave me back all my winter clothes and <laughs> we didn't have the same relationship as we did when I left, but um, she was nice enough about it. And then I go to France to find out that the girl I'm seeing is still with the French guy. And uh, she let me... Uh, she introduced me to her friends, which I ended up making better friends with her next door neighbor, Paige. Wherever you're at, Paige, I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> Paige is a cutie from Louisiana, and uh, they were both there teaching at the time. Um, met some really good guys in a band, and they showed me all around France. It was music month, and it was uh, uh. it was beautiful. I got to drink $5 crafts of wine, and I got to meet all these different people in bands that like knew me like I'm a rock star, because I'm the American, and uh, you know, they would play in different bands. They liked and, us better back then. Yeah, well, it, this was during, uh, they all want to talk politics, and um, Arnold Schwarzenegger had just become president, and everybody wanted my opinion on that. And Governor, you I, mean. Uh, that's that's what I meant. But I was like, I, I didn't know any of this. I have no idea what's going on in American politics. I've been out of the country for eight months, you know. I've been, like, traveling. I, I don't know what's going on. People are like, what do you think about Arnold I'm like, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, governor? Terminator 2? I'm like, well, what do you think about the war? I'm like, what war? <laughs> I, I'm so out of the loop. I'm like, catch me up. Tell me. I, you know why this is happening? Because I'm not there. <laughs> Because I'm here with you guys. <laughs> Everything's out of control. <laughs> I, should, I shouldn't have left. Dang. They're about to kick us out of here, so that's a good place to stop right there. All right. We'll pick things up and go from here. All right. Sounds Amen. good. I look forward to it. As do I. This one-time on Fish Tour with Scott Moore will be episodic and seasonal, and its start and running time and dates are all to be determined. Stay close to the Stone On Air podcast and all the social medias for more information down the road. We'll talk to you again really soon. Come waste your time.